The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. How do you do? How do you do? I'm just saying, what's up, man? Hey. How's it going? Good. We've got a great show. This is a hot one. I mean, it is freezing cold in this studio, but this show is super hot. Coming up, we've got... I mean, no offense to the multitude of guests that have taken time out of their schedule to be on this show. But Friends this, of the show now permanently for life. Right. Yeah. They can't. Yes. I send them cards every week <laughs> reminding them that they are my friend. Uh, no, but this is the biggest. I think this is the biggest get we've gotten so far. Lee Ellis from the starters on NBA TV. They started as a podcast, the Basketball Jones. The Godfathers of NBA podcasting? Basically. Maybe? I mean, Maybe. no. They're, they're, the yes, forefathers, The Godfathers, certainly. the forefathers. I, one of them could be my father. I don't know. Mm. I can't prove anything. Spoiler alert. We've also got other things coming up on this show. Lee had a lot of great things to say about the Hornets, that that interview, full interview with, with David Walker. Coming up. Uh, also, it's 90s Nickelodeon night in Time Warner Cable Arena on March 1st when the Hornets return home. And so we're this is our question of the show. We want your uh, listener input. Uh, your favorite Hornets players, if they were a 90s television show, which 90s television show would they be? Your favorite Hornets player. And we have some suggestions, but we want to hear from you as well. And also, we're going to talk about bed bugs. Grody. <laughs> Kyrie Irving had them, and and he had to sit out of a game, and the Hornets play the Cavaliers next. Do we know the hotel chain? Skirvin. We- it was a uh, um, oh. I mean, now, I don't want to trash anyone. I mean, I think if you if you give Kyrie Irving bed bugs, it's you, weird you that it was just his open room. Open yourself up to that. It was just his room. My are, you, are you saying? Are you saying like conspiracy theory? Oh. Wrong. <laughs> a good start already are you saying conspiracy theory i'm saying the truth is out there have you ever had bed bugs no not that i know of i feel like i'd know you would okay definitely i I would know because i've (laughs) i had them once Uh in college i think well yeah i don't want to i don't want to talk about it but it involved a, a mattress next to a dumpster you do stupid things in college david yeah, and Kyrie wasn't in college that long, so he never got that experience. <laughs> he didn't. You got to learn these things there you go. in college. A reminder, everyone, check us out Sundays at 8.30 in the morning on Good Day Charlotte, Fox 46. If you're local, fox46charlotte.com for a live stream. Check us out again Sundays, 8.30 a.m. Hive Talk Live on Good Day Charlotte. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast application and get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. And with that, let's swarm Charlotte. I know everyone uh, really wants to hear this Lee Ellis interview. It's coming up, but first we have to talk about the Hornets uh, beating the Nets 104-96. That's five in a row for the Hornets, which matches a franchise high under Steve Clifford. 
five games in a row. He's done it a couple times, or the team has done it a couple times under Clifford. They'll look for six in a row against the Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Isn't that just the luck? You know, right, it trying comes, to extend the streak and. And they're doing well on the road now. Both yeah. of the last two wins uh, post All Star break have come, both come on the road. Uh, they have three more before they return home March first. But let's talk about this game. I, I think you have to start with Al Jefferson. Second game back, looking spry for stretches. He hit his first five shots. Yeah, and I owe an apology because during the first game, I I we were texting back and forth as we're known to do, and. And I was like, "Does is he not as slim? Is he not as slender as I had?" Gotten I don't think you were to, the only one used to seeing that, but saying um, that. maybe I just hadn't seen him in a while. Because upon you know second glance from the Nets game, and he played better, so maybe that helped too. But uh, he, he still looks good. He still looks like a uh, sl- slim, smaller Al. Well, I mean, he's getting back into game shape. Yeah, I, I think what's important and what uh, Coach Clifford has pointed out multiple times is that his movement looks a lot better. Yeah. And his knee seems to be uh, in a much better place than it has been in a while. And you can see that when he's, mo- again, moving off ball or, or making that patented spin towards the baseline. He just looks a, a lot more spry. That's the word of the show, spry. Agility. The agility is do you, there. Do you think that his performance against Brooklyn and 9 of 13 from the field, 18 points off the bench in only 24 minutes, also added seven rebounds to that total, do you think that combined with Cody Zeller getting into foul trouble, he he's had kind of an inconsistent one great game, one okay game, do you think this is going to signal Al Jefferson's return to the starting lineup? That's the big question, right? It's the big I Al mean, question. It's kind of what everyone is looking for. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it worked well, um, but he was he was basically playing as you mentioned Cody and some foul. He was playing starters minutes. I mean, he was going up against Lopez for for a lot of those a lot of those stretches. Um, right. But I don't know. <laughs> Simple answer is, and and I don't know what we'll see. You know, coming up here against the Cavs, he could certainly be useful. I mean, the biggest thing is you look and see what he provides and that was the best probably the best of big al i mean that was Mm -hmm. he was on and when he gets going down there on the low block he still is tough to stop almost impossible to stop a member of the hive talk live team he's uh, my co-host on thursdays justin thomas from espn 7 30 a.m here in charlotte was at practice today he uh and uh, got some sound from clifford about al jefferson let's take a listen to that you know really what was good was that he got the ball where he wanted to but he did it in a variety of ways it wasn't play calls once he scored three or four they came with a double team and if you get to a point where it's all play calls he's not going to get shots and he knows that and they know that so that clifford raising an important point here about al jefferson that you know his his strength is when you can surprise the defense mm-hmm. when it's not about a play call when you're not when it's not clear that you're going to Al Jefferson because that allows the defense to adjust and you know that's a but that's a difficult thing and that requires and this is why I think even though Al Jefferson's numbers may be getting better we're still going to see Al Jefferson come off the bench at least throughout the rest of this road trip because to, in order to get to that place where you can you know free fly just go out there and ball and get Al Jefferson uh, the, the basketball in places that he can be successful 
you have to develop that. You know, that takes time. That takes getting into a rhythm with certain guys. And so I, that for that reason, I think that we're still a few games away, a few good performances away from seeing Al Jefferson roll with the starters. And I think Cody Zeller has gotten a lot better overall, and he provides a different element for this offense uh, and defense, more so than Al Jefferson on the defensive end, that will make it at least make the decision much tougher than it would have been at any other point in the season. Oh, yeah. Who do you think reacts better, or who do you think has the bigger you know variance between starting and coming off the bench, Cody or Al? You know what I mean? So, like, who's going to be affected more? by maybe coming off the bench as opposed to starting? Probably Cody, because I've seen so many times Al Jefferson being worked back into the lineup, and, yeah. but he still looks for his offense, and he still can score very quickly, and he's still a great rebounder. He doesn't need – and we saw him work very well with Jeremy Lin, which mm-hmm. which I was looking for. Can, can those two guys work together in the same way that he and Kimba have worked together in the past? And I just think – Al Jefferson is such a force when he's at his best that he's going to do it against second units. Right. He's going to do it against first units. Yep. I, so I think for, yeah, I think Cody. I think the tricky thing is, like you said, I mean, Cody, I think he is um, becoming more consistent. Obviously, we've seen that, but he still has, will have a game like this on the heels of, of a very good game, you know, prior to this in Milwaukee, four of eight, um, 20 minutes, only played 20 minutes against the Nets. So, that's the. It's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, come on, you just want to see it mm-hmm. consistently still. And, but I will say this, Cody. Like, I, I see a difference in him aggressiveness, um, going to the basket more consistently. Right. Hard. You know what I mean. So I think it's getting there. It's just like you just want to. see And then it you have back these to back to back. The, these setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um. By the way, so we talked about we previewed this game on on Fox uh, Forty Six Charlotte. Good day, Charlotte. And my key to the game was stopping Boyan Bogdanovich, who, who's really been on a tear lately for the Brooklyn Nets. Well, Boyan was one of nine from the field. So there you go. Well, you know, I'm not you saying, know I'm not key, saying you know they, my, they would never admit to listening to this show. But my key saying, was? I didn't listen. I didn't listen. I I'm, I'm worrying about my hair. I'm worrying about am I looking at the right camera? <laughs> I, I, you, you are just a buzz in my ear. Um, what did you say? I was I was kind of calling for a big night from Kemba because he had struggled in that building and against that team. So and, he did and he's well. been on a tear, and uh, so it was good to see that twenty eight points, eleven of eighteen. He, again, taking charge of the offense night after night. This is his sixth straight game where he's had a twenty point streak. Yeah, or, or, excuse I, me, he scored twenty points in six games. That's a streak. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you're seeing this leap from Kemba. You're seeing this leap from Kemba. Um, that's a little foreshadowing for for our for our TV section. Oh, okay. Um, and you're seeing you're the consistency, and 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 we talked about this a little bit with Lee, that he is showing that he's put in the work. But I really do think having this uh, staff in place, having the consistency with Steve Clifford and Kemba Walker. I mean, how many coaches does Kemba have? Four, five. 17. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes a difference, especially for a young point guard who's on a struggling team and who's trying to take a leadership role. And you heard Big Al after the game. Kimball Walker is the leader and the heart of this team. Unquestioned. Unquestioned. It's, we've been trying to define it, you know, since this group has been together, and it's unquestioned right now. So, if he continues that streak and this team can stay healthy, you know, it could be a pretty fun march. It's the first time Hornets uh, fans got a look at Courtney Lee, the newest addition to this Hornets roster. He did start, but only played 21 minutes. Clifford saying after the game, they're still trying to 
get him up to speed on uh, the offensive plan and the defensive plan. He was 2 of 4 from the field, 5 points. He did make a 3, but he also had 3 personal fouls, which I think comes from not knowing who's behind. Like he committed one foul that was a silly foul on a drive to the basket, and I just think it's about not knowing who's behind you, you know, just not knowing the defensive scheme as well as he would have, you know, in Memphis. But so, so what did you think of Courtney Lee, the little bit that you got to saw, see of him? I think yeah, that's about what you could have expected, especially mm-hmm. being this soon. And like you said, um, didn't play in the very first game, right, because of the physical or whatever. So it was good. You want to just get him out there. You want to get him in the lineup. and just let him go play some hoops. Yeah, and get used to the team. And, and one note on that, I think he was listed as – Starting small forward, maybe, and Batum was listed as two guard. I'm telling I all and, I heard was that Batum wanted to play the two. Yeah. So I, this makes sense to me. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit. It doesn't, you know, it, it matters less and less, right? W- what you, what you. Label but if it matters to Batum, guys, then that's the the extent to which it matters. Yeah, we're getting into some philosophy here, right? But I'm saying <laughs> I'm those two are. You know, I think those two positions and those two guys can be more a, or less interchangeable. Yeah, they yeah. are wings. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but I liked that Courtney Lee, his first impact on the game was on a defensive stop. And, and he looked very aggressive on defense, and, and it, it's something that he wants to do. And you know, I think once he becomes more familiar with his teammates and where guys are supposed to be and where he is supposed to be, those fouls, those mistakes will will start to be less of a factor. And, and I also think that you know if you're looking for an immediate impact from from Courtney, you're really... And, you know, he's almost like an offensive lineman. Like, you just don't want to see the mistakes. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. in there to be like a steadying force. Right. And, and someone you can rely on, someone Steve Clifford can depend on. Once a week kind of guy. Yeah. Once a week he's going to hit, you know, uh, 15 points and, and be an impact right. player. And the other nights you don't want him to make. And he's going to be fine. Boobies. He's going to take those shots that when they're presented and hopefully knocks them down. And to a lesser extent, like Gerald Henderson was that way. Mm-hmm. I think Gerald maybe disappeared but you need, a but little the, bit more. But that team needed him to be something exactly. else. Whereas this you team know, this does team, not. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're just geez. we're like right like here. Done, you like and done. I locked in. We've done this before. <laughs> we've got a. This is a great interview. We talked to uh, Lee Ellis. Uh, from the starters on NBA TV. Really, you talk to him. This is your guy. Why am I introducing your guest? This is your Who is Lee Ellis? Lee Ellis is a member of the uh, starters on NBA TV. Um, they, the podcast goes back almost 10 years. Well, 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I think he jumped on, I don't know, a couple years ago. But, yeah, those guys kick off the night of games each night on NBA TV. They also have a drop podcast on Fridays that you can check out. Uh, but they, they watch a lot of NBA. <laughs> and they, they know, know their stuff. stuff. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a listen to uh, Lee Ellis. Well, we finally got Lee Ellis here, and it's been uh, an, a, a conversation a couple months in the making. Lee, we appreciate you making some time for us today and just want to get your thoughts on the Hornets and the NBA and some all-star stuff. So uh, we're glad to have you in. Thanks very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. From a broader league-wide perspective, I mean, you guys spend so much time covering the entire league, but as you look at the Hornets, uh, should they get in the playoffs, how much of a threat to win a series do you think they could be? It's a good question. Uh, right now, they're seventh, and they face the Toronto Raptors. And uh, if you're the Hornets, you, you probably wouldn't mind that matchup right now because the Raptors have been playing really well. But we also know in the playoffs in the last two years, the Raptors haven't played well. So if there's a team that you know might be a little bit nervous and, and might be um, you know a little bit uh, t- sort of out of their depth in, in their own way, it might be the Raptors. So uh, I would still think the Raptors would be favoured in that series, but I think it could definitely go six or seven games. And if the Hornets could steal 
especially that first game on the road, that could really get the jitters going again with Toronto because that's the problem. They really haven't been able to protect their home court in the playoffs. So, um, you know, it, it's a tough one. Any time you come in, you know, and, and you, you don't have home court advantage and you won't have it at all throughout the playoffs as far as you go, uh, it's, in, it's important to face a team that you think you could maybe just provide a little bit of a match-up problem with or, or perhaps a team that's uh, just second-guessing itself. So um, I, think it, I think it's going to be a challenge, but I think they should definitely make the playoffs. I, I think, you know, they've, they've come out of the All-Star break playing really well. And, and I mean, they haven't had the toughest schedule, but they've beaten teams that they're kind of, that, you know, that old cliche beating teams you should beat. Uh, so, I, you know, I think there's some positive signs right now for the Hornets, and, and they just need to keep on building on that. And if they can, I mean, they're only like a game and a half or even half a game back, I think it is, of the Atlanta Hawks, who have actually struggled since the All-Star break. So if the Hornets can somehow find their way up to sixth or even fifth, then, you know, you've got to, you've got to think that they're at least a chance in that first round, although they wouldn't go in as favourite pretty much whoever they went against, you know, if that was Miami or Boston or maybe Indiana. But, uh yeah, the one thing about the Hornets is uh, what I like about Steve Clifford's teams is it's not so much last year, but this season and their first season, they really have some backbone to them. And, and they're not a team that tends to roll over. They tend to fight, even though their offense hasn't always been the most beautiful thing in the world. They tend to find a way to scrap and fight and keep the game close. And then, of course, you've got Kemba Walker, who we know is, is a pretty good closer. So, um, you know, there's certainly some good signs there for the Hornets. And uh, as, as we approach the playoffs, I think fans uh, should feel that they, they really should make the playoffs this year. Who's the biggest threat in there just, I guess, from to making the playoffs and then actually making some noise for the Hornets? Well, Chicago's a really funny one because obviously Jimmy Butler's been out. Uh, he's out for another couple of weeks there. And, and they've won a couple of games since, but uh, they sort of have struggled as well. And the Atlanta Hawks, I was down there last night to see them against the Warriors, and they incredibly came back in the third quarter and put in a great performance. They actually led early in the fourth quarter, and it looked like the Hawks of old, and then the Warriors kind of turned it on, as they tend to do, and I think ended up winning 12, 10, 12 points it was at the margin in the end. But the Hawks, just that one period, and I know you can't sort of take a whole lot out of one period, they played like the Hawks of last season. The ball was really moving around. Everyone was getting open looks, and everyone was sort of contributing on offense and defensively they were very good as well. So uh, both, you know, both Chicago and Atlanta sort of have their issues. Um, but I, I think if Jimmy Butler comes back, when he comes back anyway, the Bulls are going to sort of start their march again. And I think they're going to climb up the standings a little bit. So I, I would say the Bulls are still uh, the better team out of those, out of, out of them and Atlanta. And they, they just, I mean, Derek Rose has been playing pretty well too lately. He started to look as best as he's been since he's come back from those knee injuries at all. Um, so I think uh, I think Chicago is still the team to watch out for. But again, if Charlotte just continues to do what they do, you know, play play well defensively and knock down those three pointers, which has been incredible this year. I think they're on pace for a new franchise record for three pointers made, then they won't really have to worry about anyone else. They just have to take care of their own business then. You know, I think if Steve Clifford and uh, focuses on that, then I think that's the best thing the Hornets can do because you know, again, if you finish fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth, you know it's going to be tough in that first round, no matter who you face, because you don't have home court advantage. Ideally, you don't want to face Cleveland, but anyone else, I think you, you could make a case that the Hornets could, uh, you know, play the other team well and perhaps get out of that first round. And this team has really gone through a massive facelift between last year, certainly the beginning of last year when they brought in Lance Stevenson. They got rid of him. Guys like Gerald Wallace, um, or excuse me, Gerald Henderson, Noah Vonley. Noah Vonley were shipped out. They bring in uh, the two Jeremys, Lynn and Lamb, Nick Batum, a guy like Spencer Hawes, and then draft Kaminsky. And a lot of the talk around here has been 
you know, there's 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 pressure to win. There's pressure to win everywhere. But Michael Jordan wants to win. This team wants to win. Um, and we tend to side with them on that. We tend to side on the line of thinking that it's better, especially for this team and in this town, for them to win. And and then the flip side of that, of course, is well, you know, you want to tank and get the best pick. Each situation is different. But how do you see this? You know, from a Charlotte standpoint, you think that's the right way for them to go? Yeah, absolutely, because it's been so long since you've had any real success in Charlotte. I think that you don't want to, you know, you don't want to say, oh, we're rebuilding constantly. You know, you have to get to a point where you say, okay, we, we want to start winning now. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's very difficult in the NBA, obviously, to, to find a scenario like the Golden State Warriors where they, they didn't really sign a big free agent. They just kind of built through the draft, and then all of a sudden everyone seemed to hit their peak at the right time. I think with the Hornets, it's time for them to say, okay, you know, this is the guys we're going forward with. And I know that uh, Batum's a free agent at the end of the season, so is Al Jefferson. So there's likely to be some changes there. But, you know, in Kemba and in Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, you know, you've got some young players. And, and the news about Kidd-Gilchrist really was deflating for not just Charlotte fans, but I think for everyone in the league because he's such an important defensive player. And we saw his offensive game has really improved as well. He's worked so hard on that. And for him to come back, because originally they said he was out for the year and then he came back early, and it was like, great, what a, what a bonus this is for the Hornets to get him back now, and now he's obviously out again for the season. So it, it's got to be very, very frustrating to know how important he is to your team and that he's not going to be playing again this season. But, you, you just, I mean, it, it is, again, a bit like the Raptors. You just want to see some success. You want to see some return on being a fan for so long because, you know, things that have been down, like the, the, the Bobcats era wasn't a very good one, really, for Charlotte. I mean, it, it, I no. think they made the playoffs <laughs> twice, I think, and, and they got smoked both times. Or maybe only once, I can't remember. But Yeah, just yeah, once there against the Magic. That's right, yeah, and it was a, it was a horrible <laughs> playoff series. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually you just want to see, okay, look, we're in the playoffs and we're going to win at least a few games and perhaps a series and, and see that there's some progress being made because, it's just so frustrating for fans when you sort of every year hear the same old line of like, oh, well, we just need to build through the draft or we're going to tank or we're going to sign a big free agent. Whatever we're going to do, it seems to not really work. So um, I, I think that, you know, again, and Michael Jordan, we know, you know, like he, he only knew success really in Chicago. I guess not in the first couple of years it was, uh, it was tough for him. But obviously when you think of Michael Jordan, you think of success. And as an owner, to play for him, I think you want to go out there and just, that show that you're starting to make the same sort of progress that he did early in his Chicago days when, when things weren't great, he turned it around. And, you know, that's not going to happen overnight. I mean, we're not we're not kidding ourselves that the Hornets are going to be challenging for the championship this season and probably not next season. But if they continue to move in the right direction and they have adapted to the current way of the NBA by shooting threes, you know, that's the way everyone's playing now, um, then it shows that they're at least understanding the, you know, the trend and that's how they have to play and they're trying to make adjustments and bring in the right players to help do that. So, uh, I, I think things are moving in the right direction. Like, like I said before, last year was an anomaly. The, the Hornets were, were pretty ordinary. Um, you know, and you sort of wondered if Steve Clifford, you thought maybe he's already in the hot seat, but I think it was great that, that they gave him an extension this year to say, well, we believe in you and, and we think you've got the right idea and you're moving the team forward. So, um, you know, hopefully things do turn around because Hornets are one of those teams that a lot of people, you know, they're, they're almost the second or third favourite team because they love watching that team play and they love how, you know, the Hornets, especially if you go back in the early days of the Hornets, everyone loved the Charlotte Hornets, and, and now to have them back, I think things, people and fans want to see them have some success. And, and they'll have some ch- they'll have some decisions to make this offseason. You mentioned a couple of them between uh, Big Al and Batum. I wanted to get, just get your thoughts real quick. A lot of the talk around here as well, 
Big Al can't play in this offense anymore. The NBA has passed guys like that by. I don't necessarily agree with that. It's certainly a um, a different style, but I think he can still be effective. And the other one is Batum. Do you think you think he's a max player? I guess. Well, that's a really interesting question because next season with a big salary cap jump, he might become one uh, simply because there's going to be so much money thrown around. And, I mean, there's only one Kevin Durant out there. You know, there's only one of these, you know, really big names. So some teams are going to sort of feel that desperation to be like, well, we have to sign some guy and, and we're probably going to have to overpay for him. In my personal opinion, I don't think Batum is one of those max guys. But I think he's a very, very effective player, and I think he's a great player for a Steve Clifford system. Uh, and I think teams are going to want someone like him because he, we know he can facilitate the offense. We know he can, you know, knock down that three pointer at times. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defensive player. He's got lots of skills. But I mean, a max player, you're talking, you know, twenty five to thirty million dollars a year for that, which I, I think is 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 a lot. You know, probably more than what he is worth. But again, if you're the Hornets and you, you know that other teams are sort of, you know, everyone's got cap space next year and everyone wants to sort of make a splash and show their fans that they're trying to make, win the championship. And, and again, Batum's still young enough and he's still effective enough when he's not uh, when he's not injured that he's a very, very good player. But I, I think the Hornets are going to want to keep him. And uh, whether whether or not they're prepared to pay him, you know, that, that huge contract is going to be the big question. And, you know, I mean, Al Jefferson, you're right. It, it, I still think, you know, people are making out as if now there's no room for a big man in the game. There, there definitely is. I think Al is one of the guys, he's a very old school guy. If we were playing in the 80s, I think he'd be one of the most in-demand players. He's got that low post game and he can hit that little mid-range jump shot as well. But you also wonder if perhaps his best days are past him because he was borderline all-star a couple of years ago and then, and then sort of injuries and health have kind of uh, caught up with him a little bit because he's not the most agile big man ever, but he's still effective and he's still got those nice post moves that you see. Uh, and he's been a good player for the Hornets for the last three years. And, and, I mean, if they get rid of him, if they don't re-sign him, then they have to find someone else to sort of fill that gap. And I, I don't I don't think the Hornets are going to throw max money at him, but I, I think they'd certainly be interested in keeping him. And even if he's not playing in that same role for Charlotte, I think there's still a role for him. And I think Steve Clifford knows that because the, the way the current NBA is, we know everyone's bombing three-pointers, but it's also very, very important to have a guy who you can throw the ball into and teams either have to double him or he's going to kick the ball out to someone to shoot the three-pointer. So you still need to have someone who can play that position. And he's still effective at that, but maybe not as effective as he was a year or two ago when he was, you know, as I say, borderline all-star. So uh, some big decisions. And, and you know, I think I think one thing for sure next season is we're going to see a lot of guys get overpaid simply because teams want to, want to recruit someone and they want to throw a lot of money at them and they've got that money to throw there. Everyone's going to have cap space and it, it, uh, it's going to be crazy. So... Um, you know, to answer, I, I think you know, I think the two might get pretty close to it, but I think that's more is more beneficial of the situation rather than necessarily that player sort of deserving that full max level. Yeah, I think you know we'd probably tend to agree with you on that. It's he fits so well here, especially alongside Kemba, and makes things a lot easier for him. That uh, you know they may have to overpay, but I think they're going to be in that boat for a while. If they have to overpay to get some guys they might normally get, you know, maybe that's a pill they're they're willing to swallow. And and I think Al, you know, it's going to depend on both sides. If if he's willing to have a different sort of role, if they're good with that, so <laughs> this off season is going to be insane to say the least. Um, I wanted to ask you about um All Star Weekend. You guys are, are lucky enough to go to several all-star weekends you were just up in toronto 
you know, trying your best to stay warm. I know, but Charlotte is hosting next year. We are, we are pumped about it. I am an all-star enthusiast. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling Doug into that circle slowly, but surely. Um, and I know you have a certain affinity for all-star weekend as well. Uh, aside from, you know, the Charlotte, there's not much they can do about who's in and who's out of these competitions, the, the Saturday stuff and the game. What, what do you look for? What do you take away from an all-star weekend, you know, outside of the actual participants and say, that was a fun time. Is it all about proximity? Cause I know a, lot, a couple of years ago, New York and Brooklyn stuff was so spread out that people felt, you know, pulled a little thin. What can Charlotte do or what can the people of Charlotte kind of, kind of do to, to put on a good show? Well, you're right. I mean, New York is, is a great city. We all love visiting New York, but for an all-star weekend, you know, trying to have the events in two separate uh, locations didn't necessarily work because you kind of had to go to Brooklyn and then you had to go up to Manhattan for, or Madison Square Garden for uh, other events. Uh, what worked well for Toronto was pretty much all the hotels are downtown and, and the Air Canada Centre is in, within walking distance of, of everyone where they were staying, so that certainly helps. Um, but, you know, all Charlotte needs to do is, is just put on a great show and just, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but, but have just have the city ready, you know, have lots of posters and signage and, and show that they're ready to put on a display because uh, I know it was 1991 the last time the Hornets uh, or Charlotte hosted the All-Star Weekend. And, um, I mean, obviously there's nothing you can do about the weather if it's, if it's you know, a miserable weekend, but, um, you know, people in Toronto really seem, there was a good vibe and there was a really good atmosphere around. And I, I think just, you know, what's important as well is, like, in Toronto, even though the weather was horrible, so many ex-players and current players still made the effort to go there because they wanted to participate in the in the weekend. And, and a lot of guys who weren't even in events still turned up and wanted to be there. And, and I think that's a good sign for the NBA and for the All-Star Weekend that, that players still want to be there and take part in it and, and contribute. And so I'm not sure exactly, uh, yeah, I've never been to Charlotte. I'm not sure what the sort of location is as far as downtown accessibility. But, um, you know, if people can, if people can walk to the events and there's a lot of signage and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff for kids, then it certainly brings the families out and, and, um, and people just have a fun time. It, it, it's a really fun week for us. Like it's a lot of work and it's a, it's a lot of activity, but it's really fun because you are seeing the NBA put on you know, their, their best display, and, and, and it's great. And some people sort of say that, you know, it has lost a little bit of its uh, appeal from from earlier on because, you know, I mean, look, people always want to write off a dunk contest, and we've seen one of the best dunk contests ever in the last uh, last weekend. So, you know, the, the, the players still want to show, put on a show, and the players still want to participate and, and do what they can to make the uh, weekend great. And I think, if, you know, if Charlotte, as the city, can sort of turn it on as well, then I think it's going to be great. But um, you know, I, I don't know outside of, uh, obviously, it would certainly help with Kemba Walker and, and, you know, maybe Batum makes the game and that would certainly help the fans as well. And Kemba was very close this year. I mean, he was probably the, the next guy in. I mean, I think Pau Gasol was, was a fair choice there. And, and now Hawford as well. I mean, you can't sort of dispute with their uh, worthiness of getting in the game. But I think Kemba was probably that next cab off the rank. And uh, unfortunately, there was just one, one, few in, one too few injuries for him to get in this year. But... Uh, that would help. And, and, you know, as well, if, if someone like Kemba goes in the three-point shootout, um, then that also, you know, creates a little bit more local interest. Uh, Kyle Lowry was in it this year for Toronto. Didn't do so well, but, you know, you heard the Raptors chance when he was going up there. So, uh, it, you know, it, it was great. And I think I think from the last couple of years, we've had real, two really good dunk contests. We've had two really good three-point shootouts. And so I think fans are interested again in the Saturday night event. So 
you know, Charlotte doesn't have to do much just to keep that momentum going, and, and hopefully we'll have another great weekend. Yeah, well, the good news for you guys is you can drive here next year, so we're only a few hours <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, we'll be we'll be looking forward to bringing you guys in. Um, we'll get you out of here on the one thing I did want to say. If you can do anything to get Steph Curry to you know commit again, I know he's he's kind of wavered on doing the three point contest again, but there's a lot of time between yeah. now and next year. So if you guys can put in a good word, I think that would help. Yeah, well, it's not looking good. Apparently, apparently, he said he's, uh, he's done. So, uh, you know, I mean, that that's disappointing because obviously for Steph, he's got you know he's, he's you know spent so much time there. So he's going to have a oh, he's going to have a really busy weekend. I can imagine there's going to be in all sorts of uh, demands and requests for his time. But that you know what in Toronto was the same. So it's just he, he's he's the most. Uh, you know, hottest player in the world right now, and everyone wants a piece of his time. And uh, he's very good, actually. He accommodates so many requests and so many media requests and fans. And, and every, last night uh, at Atlanta, like after he did his warm up, he went signing autographs for you know maybe ten minutes, which is incredible considering how many players you know when they're in that zone before the game, an hour or so before the game, they really don't like any distractions. And, and Steph was was unbelievable how he accommodated everyone and tried to get everyone. Everyone's trying to get a selfie with him. Everyone seems to sign everything and. Uh, he, he did. He did so much work. It was unbelievable. And Dell was there as well last night, actually. So uh, it, was, uh, it, it was good to see Dell there watching his son and, uh, and Steph on another great show. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing right now with, with uh, the Warriors and Steph. Like it's it's the greatest show on earth. And uh, even fans from other teams, like in Atlanta last night. I mean, this crowd was fifty fifty. It was fifty fifty Steph fans, and the other fifty were Hawks and Warriors fans. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun watching Steph right now. Yeah, it's cool to see from a Charlotte perspective. Lee, congratulations to you guys, the starters. 10 years in, 10-year anniversary a couple months ago, 150th episode coming up. Did I see that correctly? Uh, well, last night was actually our 1500th uh, basketball game. 1500th. Okay, yeah, I missed yeah. a zero there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, uh, uh, but that, yeah, I mean, that's uh, incredible what Steve and Pat and JD started just over 10 years ago, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of it and, uh, and to contribute to it. Well, you guys are awesome on NBA TV every night before the games kick off. And also the Drop podcast, one of my favorites, coming out every Friday as well, right? Yes, every Friday that comes out. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun with that. It allows us a little bit more time to sort of delve into some topics that we don't get as much time to do on TV. So, yeah, we love it. And uh, we, we certainly appreciate the support and, and, and everyone who downloads and watches our show because uh, if people didn't do that, we wouldn't have a show to do in the first place. So, Honestly, for us, it means so much that people listen to our show and enjoy what we do. Awesome, Lee. Well, we really appreciate the time today. I know you got a busy day and week ahead of you, so uh, thanks again for stopping by. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Lee Ellis from the Starters on NBA TV. Legendary. David, you kind of... Kind of blew that decimal point there. Fifteen hundred. What happened? What happened? Same. What happened was you uh, blew it. Uh, Skeets from the show posted a a a uh, picture online. It was a picture of a fifteen hundred, a Ram fifteen hundred, to commemorate their fifteen hundred show. My brain saw it as a Ford F one fifty. It was not. A, no. <laughs> so John Brains. That's right. <laughs> It was right there. It's right. 150, 1500. That's you fine. Know. He seemed to he seemed to enjoy himself. So that's good. hopefully. We well, you know, it was it was amazing that he even came on after we uh told him that we actually were not part of the vertical with 
We didn't say we weren't. We didn't say we were part of the vertical. We just did no, not confirm that not. we were not part of the vertical. We're not. Just to just to clear, clear that, we're not. And it's a it's fifteen hundred, not one hundred. Yeah, fifteen hundred episodes. A lot. I one fifty is good too. Fifteen hundred is better. We have a listener request. Yeah, I want to thank um, our buddy Hornets Sport Sp- Hornets. Hornet Sports Spot. I always think it's Hornet's Hot Spot, but it's it's Hornet Sports Spot. Uh, it's Fifteen hundred. It's a Ford F Bronco F one Ram. Tough. All right. Um, what's the question? The question. He's looking. He, he was. Uh, he always um, hits us up with some great thoughts and great questions. Uh, a couple today, but one in particular I wanted to touch on, Doug. Um, why no uh, love kind of nationally for Kimball Walker, and why don't we ever see the Hornets play on national TV? It's a great question. I don't know, man. Thanks for sending that question in. Well, just... there you go. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, no, I, I think I, I think it's for. Uh, the, I think the, those tie in basic, together. Yeah, mid or mid to small market. Well, uh, winning, not winning. I think winning is the biggest. We piece. always say it like when, you have to. The reason there's a reason the goal, and, and Clifford has said this explicitly that the goal is to win a playoff series. Yeah, and there's a reason because there's a prestige. An unsaid prestige for teams that win playoff series. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a next level for a team in terms of national coverage. Yeah, it's funny. If you go back to two seasons ago, the Warriors were never on TV. And this is when they were building up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. their their playoff run. Mm-hmm. I mean, e- even their, even last year, you know, you still kind of had to search for them a little bit. But they get the superstar. And that's West Coast. So, that you know, they're, they're kind of hamstrung there, too. We're not going to shed any tears for the Warriors and their well, listen, TV coverage. And, but, and all of these these national shows, they have to work in uh, commentary about thirty teams. Well, there's a reason the Lakers and the Knicks are still on ESPN every week. Well, that's that's all market things. But I'm just saying, like they, you have to hedge your bets a little bit and say, I've got to go with the teams that I know are going to make waves, and and we can talk about them in May and not just March and April. Also. Not no flex scheduling, right? Is there flex scheduling? They don't have. They don't really have flex. Like the NFL's gone to the flex schedule, it makes really. a lot of sense. They really they'll flex you out of games for sure. Like ESPN, actually, yeah, there is flex. They will flex you out, but <laughs> the there's little flexing in. Yeah, so I think it basically it essentially comes down to star power, which the Hornets are building up. But like when you see a team like the Timberwolves, they've got the 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 big top name rookies. So yep. they have the number one draft picks every year. They've got the teams, looks like an up and coming team. Ooh, let's put them on against the Warriors. Okay. The Hornets, you know, their draft is whatever, but like their rookies don't necessarily have the same name recognition and they're not winning. So I mean when you put those two things together until you get the excitement back with wins in the form of wins, you'll probably still see some of that treatment. But I think making the, making the playoffs consistently is the first step the Hornets can take. Hopefully at the Hive doesn't decide to flex us out. because Don't then, flex us, bros. <laughs> this is a no-flex zone. So I've thanks got for one sending more. that in. Though. Yes, absolutely. And, and keep seriously, anytime, send your thoughts or your questions to at Hive Talk Live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. And uh, when possible, we will we will address those. I've got one more Kimba Walker statistic for you. One more stat. This season, he has made 107 three-point shots. We've heard a lot about Kimba Walker improving his three-point shot in the offseason. 
His season record for three-pointers made, 109 over his five-year career. So he's two away You're saying we're on, the, we're on the verge of history is what you're saying? Correct. Okay. So he's he's almost there. So that again, that's amazing. We haven't even gotten into March, and he's already approaching. He'll probably more than likely break it against the Cleveland Cavaliers on on Wednesday. His rookie year, you want to know how many three pointers he made? I'm going to guess um, seventy four. Sixty nine. <laughs> oh, it's <was> pretty <laughs> <Nice>. close. <laughs> you just you just wanted to. I just, you just yeah. To say, well, listen. Right, okay. This is this is half my show too. In all seriousness, though, I mean, you, I've said it, I said it before earlier tonight. So much credit goes to Kemba and the hard work he's put in. It's so nice to see it paying off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the way, so big thanks to Lee Ellis for taking the time out of his day to join us on the show, and I couldn't let him go without asking him about the keys to podcasting success. So if you're out there and you're thinking about doing any kind of podcast, whether it be NBA or sports related or whatever, uh, this is this is a pretty good clip. So I just wanted to play it. Do it every day, like five days a week. Just do something, uh, even if it's only five minutes or 10 minutes or, uh, or 20 minutes or whatever it is, because the, one, the most important thing, I think, in, in our success is just that we just do it every day. And, uh, you know, a lot of, pod, a lot of podcasts start and, and guys, you know, they're all hyped up and they're excited at the start. You know, the first five or ten episodes, they get into it and then it kind of drops off to one every couple of weeks and then it's one every couple of months. And you just can't build an audience that way. People don't listen. Everyone these days has got like a, a poor attention span and they just need this, need that consistency. So my, my recommendation, even on those days where you just don't feel like it or there's nothing to talk about, even if it's a five-minute thing, just, just do it. So people, if they download or they subscribe to you on iTunes or Stitcher or or wherever it is, they get some fresh content every day because that that keeps you turning up and it keeps you consistent. Because uh, if you do one every every couple of weeks, people just don't don't tune in, or they tune out and they just go, "These guys aren't serious." So it, it's a grind. It's not easy. Um, you know, for us, even on the TV show, there are some mornings where you wake up and you're like, "You know, what what are we going to talk about today?" And, and you know, you have to dig and you have to find things. Um, you know, and and, and it sometimes looks on the TV like, oh, it's great, you know, we, we there's always something to talk about. But there are days where you, we're sort of in that office and we're, we're having our production meeting and we're throwing around a few ideas and some of them just not sticking and others are and, and, and they're a bit of a reach. And, um, you know, that's the same thing with the podcast. Like there are some mornings you wake up and you're like, I just don't feel like it today. I'm, I'm going to take the day off. But you just got to keep going. You've got to keep grinding. You've got to build that audience. And, and, and it takes a lot of time. But uh, if you can do that, then I think you're in a much better position to have success than uh, than someone who sort of does one podcast once a week for maybe an hour long. So there you go. Great, great advice from Leo there. It's the uh, rise and grind. Rise and grind. Malcolm Gladwell. It's the 10,000 hours or 1,000. I don't know. You're, you're the decimal point. Uh, it's 150. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's great advice, not only for podcasting, but really anything. I mean, you have to kind of go at it every day. And I think that goes to Kemba. I think just to, the work that he put in over the summer uh, is is paying dividends, and you have to go after it every single day. All right, moving on. It's uh, a 90s Nickelodeon night on March 1st for the Hornets. Uh, Kel Mitchell of Keenan and Kel fame will be there. It'll be a celebration of uh, those 
classic 90s Nickelodeon shows that a lot of us grew up with. Uh, David, I think, what, you were uh, 27, 28 years old in the 90s? I was a senior in high school. <laughs> I, you know, it's what I didn't grow up with that classic Nickelodeon. I, I watched it occasionally, but it just wasn't a part of my household. But I still, like, I, I would watch in high school and college, I would watch old episodes of Guts and Double Dare, and I guess I gained an appreciation sort of for it. That's what I was curious about. How how are they branding this? How how deep are they going? Into I think the, it's night. I think it's early, the, like the mid nineties. The Nick archives. Yeah, I think it's like early. Slime will be Salucha involved. Shorts stuff again. Pete and Pete's stuff that I don't. Yeah, think I mean that, I that was, was a yeah. I, I don't, there wasn't really directly in my wheelhouse, but I'm sure I will, I will recognize some of the characters so that'll be march 1st at time warner cable arena and the suns will be visiting the hornets it will be the first game uh back in charlotte since this five game road trip and and since the all-star break so in celebration we've expanded it since neither of us seemed incredibly familiar with early (laughs) 90s nickelodeon television we've expanded it to all of the 90s and we're asking if your favorite player Favorite Hornets player were a 90s TV show. It's this like classic Facebook quiz stuff that you see on your Facebook feed all the time. What show would they be? Who should we start with? I'm just going to say. We talked about Kemba. We should probably start with the captain. All right, let's go with Kemba. All right, you're you're first. Okay, I alluded to this a little bit, but would you say that Kemba has made the leap this year? I would say this is his it year. I've been calling for Kemba to have the it year before we called him the greatest point guard in Charlotte Hornets history. He's definitely having the leap year. I'd say it's been a quantum leap. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> no, yeah. That's a good, good start. That's, that's a, a good, good start. One. I like it. Quantum leap. And you, as we learned, and we'll probably continue to learn throughout this segment, that uh, when we did the Star Wars comparisons, uh-huh. that you're much more of the pun comparison or wordplay and I'm more plot-based in my... Well, we, I could go dir- directly sort of, off a cliff after that one, so... Sure. All right, Kemba, and you'll love this, one of your favorite shows of all time, much less the 90s. I'm saying Kemba is 90210. Yeah, okay, so I've got a 90210 guy, but what's your Kemba reasoning? Okay, so if you remember, David, 90210 did not do very well in its first season. Yeah. It was it was pretty poor, and then they decided to do a summer season when every other show was off the air because back then they just didn't do summer shows. That's that Aaron Spelling genius. It was genius, and nine hundred two one zero would go on to be a hit success for many years to come. And so that's Kimba. He goes in the off season, puts in the work with the shooting coaches, develops this three point shot that that's better than he's ever had before, even at UConn, and. Pulls it out and, and, like and will have success for years to come. Also, guts. I think Kimba could also be guts because yeah. he's the he's the clutch. You had the clutch statistics, right? He, the clutch the, statistics: seventy five clutch points leads the league this year. They put that up, I believe. That's as guts. Of, as of the uh, like as two, of, it's as like of the uh, game. those clutch statistics are usually two minutes, what two minutes or under four points or less. Like that. Yeah, one fifty, fifteen hundred. Okay, I have one for Jeremy Lin. Okay, he's a he's a uh, fan favorite. Uh huh. He's got a dedicated fan base, as we have been exposed to and benefited from. It's true. Okay, I'm going Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. a show that started in the 90s, went into the 2000s, but it still counts. So dedicated fan base. It started out as a hit movie and then went under the radar for a little while and is now or did try to revive itself on TV and was pretty successful. 
So that's why I'm going Jeremy Lin. Because he, he started out as a hit, Lin Sanity in New York. Yep. Had to go under the radar for a little bit in, in Houston and Los Angeles. And now having another successful year trying in that one, you know, he's on that year contract essentially where he can opt out next year. Right. Trying to revive the, the Jeremy Lin game, the Jeremy Lin brand. I like that. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like that. Next. I'm going to go back to uh, Nick Batum, and this was my 90210, and let me tell you why. The origin story of 90210 is... <laughs> We're going back to the origin you've story. Got a, if you learn nothing else from this segment, <laughs> you'll learn the history of Jason Priestley. You have a, a, a fully functional environment, right? You've got people in place. I don't know what that means, but go on. Well, you've got a group in place, okay. and that place is Beverly Hills 90210. You've got Two twins, Brandon and Brenda Walsh. Twins, Basil. Coming into this mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. And once they come in, everything just seems to work better. Works perfectly. New people come in. Everyone meshes well. New friendships are formed. Until um, until Dylan's father dies. <laughs> I knew I was flying too close to the sun on that one. But my point is, Batum has come in. I like it. And has really stirred the drink mm-hmm. in a Walsh-ish, Walsh, Walsh-ish. Walsh, Walsh-ish. Walsh-eskian, Walsh-eskian way. So that's right. my 9 2 note, Batum. I like it. Uh, for me, I went uh, Batum as Perfect Strangers. I just think if you watch per- Perfect Strangers, you you just know. Okay. There's a, a little bit of a, of a fish out of water, a little bit of a funny accent. I think it makes sense. I like that one. I'm going to give you my Spencer Hawes. Give it to me. I couldn't think of a good one. I almost went Frasier because I, it took Seattle, a place in Seattle. Seattle. I went Northern Exposure. I was thinking that too, <laughs> man. I'm telling you, a little you, quirky, uh, you know, um, a little different, but but a, a good solid dude from the north. I have to give some credit here to uh, one of the original hosts when we were podcasts covering the Charlotte Bobcats. Uh, Preston Neal coming up with this one. He says, uh, Buzz City Knights jerseys would be Are You Afraid of the Dark? Love that. Mm. Because the Hornets have played well on the Buzz City Knights. So I, I love Buzz City Knights jerseys, Are You Afraid of the Dark? A classic uh, Nickelodeon Classic show. Nickelodeon. Uh, let's see. Here's some more. Tyler Hansborough. He's manic. He's intense. He's unpredictable. He's Ren and Stimpy. All day long. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Okay, I've got, I've got a crossover episode for you on Hansborough. Do you remember the the Simpsons X-Files episode where Mr. Burns is out in the woods? Exactly. Yes. And he's floating and he's glowing in the dark. All you can see, really. Yeah, and, are his, and so are Homer bu- thinks he's an alien. Are his bulging eyes that right. never blink. And so that so just reminds got- me of Hansborough. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Uh, but I but I also have to give you this. There you go. All right, Frank Kaminsky. Lately, especially I, I think about the start that Frank got against the Bucks. Um, lately, he's been boy meets world. He's oh, okay. getting a little taste of the NBA, and sometimes it's going well. And as it went for young Corey, sometimes it is uh, embarrassing because when it's boy meets world. Uh, it's Boy Meets World. Also, he's silly and loves to dance, so I'm also going to give Frank In Living Color. Oh, we've got a listener submission. Oh, this one's, oh, MKG. Uh, don't, I already had it written down. Don't, uh, I know what it is. It's ER. <laughs> it's, unfortunately. I had, I, had it, I had it written down, too. So 
Unfortunately, not the only one. It is ER. Oh yeah, I have it. There we go. That's mm. MKG. Unfortunately, maybe next year we won't have to make that comparison anymore. Cody Zeller, home improvement. <laughs> he added more power. I'm just stealing yours now. Huh? <laughs> We were in synergy on that one. That's I almost exactly. went Kimba's home improvement because he's made so much improvement, but I went uh, added more power. I thought he's very he's very Boylan esque. You know what I mean? Okay, Al Boylan. Borlan. Borlan. That's what I said. Boylan. Fifteen hundred. <laughs> um, all right, I got one for you. This was um. No, nah, that's not a good one. All right, these got tougher as we went on. Yeah, I, I, I guess these deep cuts are tough. I I'll give you Courtney Lee real quick as Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Because he's traded, I think. I wonder if if Fresh Prince what if if uh, if he went to Uncle Phil on an expiring deal. I, don't know. I gave uh, Jeremy Lamb Fresh Prince of Bel Air because he's got the just because he's smooth, dude. He's smooth. Yeah. Doesn't he have similar like Fresh Prince hair? Yeah, kind a little bit. Fish. A little bit. It's not as tight as Fresh Prince. I went um, Marvin. I went Martin. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> the name sounded. I tell yeah. you, you and the names for Al. I went Alf. All right, I'm done with this. This is my. This <laughs> you've just killed this segment. All right, that's '90s night. I don't really have any more unless you have a good, a really good one. I do actually have one for Jamie Lynn. I okay. I gave him. Uh, he's knowledgeable. Um, he's a good quote. That's true. He, he speaks intelligently. That's true. And he knows a lot about sports. Sports night. Exactly. There you go. I have a drop. There we go. We don't, I was going to say, you're the sports type music. <laughs> I wish. All right, that's it. 90s night, March 1st. Check it out. At Time Warner Cable Arena. Again, Kel Mitchell will be there. Keenan and Kel. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. If you were, yeah. Are they going to serve good burgers? I hope so. Yeah, they I've, should. I've had the burgers there. They are good. They're pretty good. They've, they've got the two components. <laughs> Burger. And good. And good. All right, real quickly, Hornets uh, signed, if you missed this bit of news, they signed Jorge Gutierrez, the third point guard, after trading away Brian Roberts in the Courtney Lee deal. Gutierrez got a 10-day contract and a call-up from the D-League's Canton Charge. He's a defensive specialist who's not a particularly strong shooter, which should fit well with the Hornets' other two point guards uh, who are strong shooters. He started 20 games for the Charge, averaging 11.3 points, 5.7 assists, 4.2 4.2 rebounds and 2.2 steals. Back in 2012, in his senior season at Cal, he was a named Pac-10 Player of the Year and Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year. Again, 10-day contract. That should take him up through this road trip, and the Hornets will reevaluate at that time whether Jorge will stick around as the third point guard. Okay, time to preview this uh, really important game. Probably the biggest, I would say, the biggest game of the year so far. Hornets at Cavaliers. Last time these two uh, teams locked horns, the Hornets won 106-97 at Time Warner Cable Arena. No Kimba, no problem. Jeremy Lin getting the start, had 24 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. Kimba sat with a sore left knee. Kevin Love was limited to 12 points on 4 of 12 shooting, most of that during an aggressive first quarter. Justin Thomas again from ESPN 730 at practice today. Asked Coach Clifford how they plan to try and stop Kevin Love again on Wednesday. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. you got to be good with your coverages and their pick and rolls, which they go to him a lot, and he's aggressive about getting into them. And then, you know, Marvin did a great job in the last game in his post-ups, you know, of not letting him get the ball. 
you know, and uh, we're going to have to be able to do a, a similar uh, similar coverages with him in the post this time. Ball denial, a key. Marvin Williams did a great job of getting in front of Kevin Love and disrupting him early on. That's the key. you got to take Kevin Love out of his rhythm. Also, though, David, I think not fouling Kevin Love just as important. When he's fouled three or more times, uh, he's essentially a guaranteed 20, 25-point game. So you have to keep Kevin Love off of the foul line. The Hornets did a great job of that last time they played. They'll try to do it again in Cleveland. They are coming off a loss to Detroit where they only managed to score 88 points, but they were without Kyrie Irving for reasons, which we will get to in a moment. What, 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 do, you, what do you see in this game? Keys to the game. Can the Hornets uh, shock the world once again, knock off the top team in the East? Well, something they did in that game, in, in the win in Charlotte, was they stayed close. Um, they didn't yeah. let the game get away from them, and that's True. doubly important on the road, but I think that's going to be big. It will be interesting to see, because Jeremy Lin obviously had a had a nice game in Kimba's Walker, Kimba Walker's absence, and I think Kimba... You know, we're assuming the bed bugs will be uh, won't be an issue for Kyrie. They'll be sleeping in their own beds. But so um, I think Kimba gets up for for these games against these other point guards in the league. Certainly didn't once. get a shot at Cleveland, right? In that last affair, right? So yeah, I think so. And, and it's playing well. Um, yeah. So I think that's going to be big. They just got to keep it, which is a key always on the road. But I think when they're going in here, they've had a couple of days off with rest. So I think. You know, you can't come out and get down early at home. No, no, absolutely. At, in, in Cleveland, Cleveland. Home, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's key, and they didn't do that. They had a great first quarter uh, matching the Cavaliers 23-23 out of the first quarter in that last game. And I think you, you have to keep the second unit especially. They've got to play their best because you don't want to have a, a Richard Jefferson going off situation like you had in, the I believe, the first contest of this year when the Cavaliers defeated the Hornets. I mean, you have to make them play their starters more than they want to. You know, don't let them get deep into their bench, contain Mo Williams, contain Richard Jefferson. And I think the Hornets have just as good a shot as they had the previous matchup. I, I'm not yeah. certainly, I mean, it's going to be tough whenever you play a team that has LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, but this team is playing well. They don't have Michael Kidd Gilchrist, obviously, who they had in that last matchup. He was 5 of 14 from the field, 11 points, and more importantly, 13 rebounds. And those 13 rebounds, I think, were key. So it's going to take a team effort on the boards. Yeah, and you hope that point. You hope that having Al Jefferson back will make up a little bit of that difference. You know? And you're going to need it from Marvin, who's trying to give it to you on the, on the boards and has done a good job. But I think you're going to need a Milwaukee-like performance from Cody Zeller, too, because he was really effective mm-hmm. in that game, getting his hands on loose balls and, and hitting the boards hard. So, yeah, that's going to be a big key. So Cavs, Hornets in Cleveland, tipping off, I assume, at 7 p.m. Is Cleveland... It's Cleveland Central Time. I can't ever. Someone asked me what time the show was uh, in in California. I barely know what time the show is in Charlotte. Our show, yeah, in California. Uh, the game's at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. There you go. Tipping off at seven p.m. One last thing we did mention this. So, Kyrie Irving had uh, uh, bed bugs at the hotel that he was staying at in uh, Oklahoma City. This was the. This is our one last thing <laughs> I, because I, I. This is so Not funny fine. to me. This is hilarious. Not that he had bed bugs, but uh, Irving was quoted after the game saying, 
Our team said I was out with flu-like symptoms. It was honestly from the bed bugs from the friggin' Hilton that we stayed at. So Hilton, that was the correct answer. Shots at Hilton. The Skirvin Hilton, which apparently is known for uh, bad experiences with NBA players and maybe possibly ghosts. And Irving saying on Twitter, the ghosts aren't real, but the bed bugs. He said he, the bed bugs were so big that he saw them. That's interesting. Bed bugs are supposed to be pretty <laughs> small. Maybe we need we might need some, some investigation into this. So send like one of those ghost teams in, but instead they're like exterminators and they're looking for bed bugs. Just like the the night vision goggles, mm-hmm. and they just yeah come on <laughs> and look for bed bugs. You know, I used to I used to um, do quality control on some of these shows like Ghost Hunters and different shows like this. Oh, right. And uh, that was one of my early broadcast jobs. And, you know, you would get these tapes in and you would watch them for, you know, just simple errors or something or if the tape was bad. And you would then send it back if there was an error. Anyway, so all of these reports were done. You know, there was paperwork for everything. So I QC'd this one Ghost Hunter show and I, I approved it. And then the next day I come back in and it was on the shelf. I was like, why is this on the shelf? I approve this. This should have gone through. And and it was one of these shows that uses like the the voice monitor for the they're monitoring for ghost voices. Right. I don't know, electromagnetic waves. And they'll they'll translate it on the screen. It's like, oh, do you hear that? It's like blah, 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 blah. and they'll say the ghost said, you know, and they'll write it on the screen. Mommy. Mommy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so I looked at the paperwork because I was curious, and it said the host of the show wanted to change the captioning on the go i'm like damn it i knew it was f- i knew it was fake just completely crushed my dreams of i thought you were gonna say like meeting a ghost i thought you were gonna say it got moved and we don't know how it went back on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> no we, we didn't have to no we did found not out we did not have to call in uh so anyway the point to all of this ghosts uh, are not real. Bed bugs are very real, and they attack NBA players and keep them out of games. Also, uh, uh, the reason I brought this up is because I think it's funny. Teams use flu-like symptoms in the same way that artists, musical artists, will use exhaustion or some lame excuse for all sorts of ailments that keep them from performing. But I love that Kyrie just called it out. It's like, nah, they said flu-like symptoms. I got, I was, I just mm. was eat up by bugs. That's I was itching. Gross. Grody. That's grody. Uh, but yeah, so, the, and you know, MJ had the flu game. That's what we call it, the flu game. Yeah. The famous yeah. game where he had flu-like symptoms right. and he scored a ton of points. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, most people say it's food poisoning from bad pizza. And and that's what we think. You never you never know. When you see flu-like symptoms on a on a sheet, just Who assume flu. that giant bugs were devouring their skin. We at need the to, le- at the least, maybe he didn't know what bed bugs were at the time. We should ask him when he comes on the show. We'll ask him. Well, listen, first it's Lee Ellis, and then next it's <laughs> it's uh, Kyrie Irving. Send us your '90s shows for the players. Yeah, we still we'll read them next show. I promise. We're at, we're out of time right now, but uh, let me see. Uh, they're just coming in. Hit me with a more fresh one. Six million dollar man for MKG. I like that. That's '70s though. But that's okay. We'll we still can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the technology. That'll do it for us, Hornets fans. Thanks to our guest, Lee Ellis from the Starters on NBA TV. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David, producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail 
the teal and purple.